welcome to Corn Husker Connection Husker Hangover Edition. I'm Brandon Shanahan. I may not be hungover, but I am very sleepy. It was a long night. We'll certainly get into that Colorado Colorado State uh, shootout and what a what a what a wild game that was. But you know, we are a Husker podcast. We'll talk about Nebraska picking up their first win of the season. That's certainly not nothing. They pick up the win over Northern Illinois, thirty-five to eleven, and I kind of went into it thinking like, man, is there really a, is there really like a win here? Because, I mean, with 10.5-point favorites, Northern Illinois, you know, not historically the the better of teams here. But after watching that game unfold, I'm pretty happy with it. I feel pretty good. Watching that game, I definitely feel like the defense did exactly what, what we expected them to do. They shut down Northern Illinois. If it wasn't for a deep red zone turnover, um, then possible shutout. Maybe they'd still give up that late touchdown. But overall, and then, of course, at quarterback, uh, Henrik Harburg, Heisman Harburg, as some people are calling him, um, he looked very, very good, I thought. Uh, very solid, I should say. I don't know if he looked very good. Um and I kind of had a pretty low bar for him coming in, especially given the quarterback play the last couple of weeks. You know, I, I didn't expect him to, I didn't need him. Obviously we didn't need him to be great or making plays or, you know, flashing the wheels or showing the cannon. We just needed him to play competent quarterback football. And I thought he did that and then some, you know, and I don't want to get too blinded by the moment, but you know, some pretty good stuff here. He had over, almost 20 carries, which is weird that he has almost 20 carries and Jeff Sims barely has 20 carries. And I've been told how explosive Jeff Sims is as a runner. And yet he's got the same amount of um, carries in the first two games, but 14 for 14 for 24, 158 yards, two touchdowns, 23 carries or 21 carries, 98 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Thomas Fedoni, the leading receiver, four receptions, 42 yards, and a touchdown. He still got some some of the drops, but overall, I thought he did really good. He definitely looks like a like a high end caliber, you know, tight end and football player out there. So, you know, as as long as he continues to get better, I think he's on a good track. Um, yeah, really, really happy with it. Um, because like I've said, Nebraska with this defense. And you know, seeing some of these these offensive players like Billy Kemp and Fedoni, and then the, that running back duo who who I thought was solid again last night. Um, you don't need great quarterback play. You're playing the Big Ten West. You, you don't need great quarterback play to to beat teams like Iowa, Illinois, and and now Wisconsin. Wisconsin doesn't look good at all. But you can't have disastrous quarterback play. And that's you know been certainly been the frustration the first couple of weeks. It's just the disastrous mishandling of the football, fumbling snaps. You know, it. I feel like if you can tell how dialed in a team is just by the quarterback, boy, Nebraska's looked really bad these first couple of weeks. But, but, but that's not fair because that's just one player. Granted, the most impactful player, you know, calling the 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 plays and you know running the offense but you know as we saw last night Henrik Harburg didn't look panicked not for a moment he he wasn't he he put the ball at risk a couple of times but like I've talked about these turnovers with Jeff Sims in particular his turnovers don't come from a place of of recklessness it it almost feels like it comes from a place of incompetence. And Harburg definitely put the ball in harm's way, but more in a, in a reckless way, like a trying to make a play, not like a, an indecisive is where the Tyler used. And I think that's spot on for how Jeff Sims has been turning the, the football over lately. He just doesn't look sure of anything. Like He had that one great run and then that broken down coverage on the trick play. That's it. Two games. I saw more. Now, granted, it's Northern Illinois. And to give Jeff Sims the benefit of the doubt here, he is, you know, that's a tough slate. Going on the road to Minnesota week one. Going on the road to Colorado week two. 
you know, that's not an easy slate per se. But I, I'm also lo- looking at this scoring summary, and I got distracted because Northern Illinois' first drive was first scoring drive was four plays minus eight yards, two minutes thirteen seconds, and then they kicked a field goal. I think that's funny, but nonetheless, um, I feel like Henry Carberg should absolutely get the the nod going forward. Again, the ceiling. I'd imagine is very much higher with, with Jeff Sims. I, I imagine if Jeff Sims is playing his A game and Heisman Harburg is playing his A game, Jeff Sims probably wins that battle pretty handedly. But I, but what about their D games? What about their F games? And now granted, we haven't seen an F game from Harburg, and I hope that those are F games look like for Jeff Sims, but we can't have that. This division stinks. The teams that were going to play on the schedule late stink. Michigan State doesn't have a head coach. They stink. Maryland's looking like the best team down the stretch. Wisconsin's still trying to figure out. They stink. Iowa stinks. Michigan doesn't stink. That one's going to be pretty rough. But outside of Michigan, there's not a single team on the schedule that should beat Nebraska by more than more than 10 points. You know, I Minnesota might be the, the best team in the division, and then they still kind of struggled to, to put Nebraska away. They certain, I would argue, certainly shouldn't have won that game. And I, I think as long as you have a quarterback back there who just isn't a disaster, I think that's a huge win, and I think that's absolutely the direction that they should be going until proven otherwise. I mean, I don't know what else you really ask for out of him like he was efficient throwing the football he actually made a lot of really good throws of course he put the ball in harm's way you know a couple of times and maybe jeff sim doesn't get the the good break on those and then they end up at interceptions and i'm up here sunday morning talking about how much i hate jeff sims but granted i think i could do a little bit without the, the lowering the shoulder and diving into contact as much Uh, and now granted, I know he's only focused about this game and trying to make this play in this particular moment. And that's great. But if he is the guy going forward, I hope there's a little bit of conversation like, hey, we'll sacrifice the, 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 the two yards and the and the energy boost that comes with you trucking a guy if that means that we get to, uh, you know, keep Jeff Sims over there. Even Chubu Purdy looked good. Granted, all he did was hand the football off, but Real great work. Field of the snap, great. Hand of the ball off. Easy breezy. And even if internally Jeff Sims is the guy moving forward. Actually, I don't even know. I, I, I don't see why that would be the plan. And again, not to say that Henrik Harburg isn't as good as Jeff Sims. I don't know. I'm not there every day. I trust the coaches there. But Jeff Sims can also be a lot worse than what we saw from, from, from Heisman Harburg last night. We, we saw that he could be, I don't know, borderline incompetent at, at times. And if nothing else, it looked like it was messing with his head in that Colorado game before he got hurt. It really looked like he just wasn't confident in anything he was doing. And granted, it's it. It's against a different class of opponent here in Northern Illinois, but Harburg looked comfortable. He looked like he was ready for this. I haven't seen a single moment from Jeff Sims. Like, okay, he's ready for this. He's, you know, trustworthy. He's decisive. He's confident. He's, and, and they moved the ball okay. I'm, I'm not saying that he hasn't done anything good, but... Those turnovers are, are such a game changer. I, I, I'm not. I think if we have Henrik Harburg, at worst, we're two and one. And I think we're in a dogfight with Colorado last week. And I think if the defense is, is more juiced at the end and they don't wear down as much, we capitalize on some of those early, early drives. Why can't Nebraska pull that game off? Why can't we be three and no? But eight turnovers in two games, that's tough. And especially in the sense that we didn't see Anthony Grant 
at all last week. And then because he fumbled, had fumble issues in camp. We got to hold him accountable. We got other options ready to step up and and be the guy. I don't know why quarterback's so different in this sense. I mean, it's not like we have Caleb Williams back there turning the ball over. I, I can't imagine that, that the gap between Harburg and Sims is that big. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe everything I just said isn't right. It is what it is. But nonetheless, I feel really good about the win in a way that I didn't think was really on the table. Because even when Nebraska was in the Bopolini area and they play teams like Northern Illinois, they trip up. They wouldn't look great. And uh, it wouldn't be completely, you know, indicative on what the season would entail from there. But overall, um, Overall, not bad. I'm 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 feeling very good. And the only easy, yeah, the only worry that I have is if they decide to to go back with Jeff Sims. I was curious if he was healthy enough to suit up, and but not healthy enough to play. Now, granted, I know a lot of his his values in the run game and probably available in an emergency kind of setting, but I thought that was interesting. I will give Jeff Sims some credit here. After they had yanked Harburg out to, to get the the prodigy Chuba Purdy in the game, you saw they showed a good embrace with him. He was really excited for for Henrik, which I think is great. And I think that that speaks to a lot of what Matt Rule has been talking about throughout this offseason. Jeff Sims not just as a runner or a passer or a turner of the ball over uh but as a leader and i thought i was i was really happy to see that great locker room guy i'd imagine uh maybe just not a good quarterback guy and that's okay it looks like henry carberg is a fine quarterback and that's all we need we just need fine fine is plenty with the, as good as his defense is as good as gabe urban is as good as anthony grants is as great as thomas fedoni it could develop into uh, I mean, there, there's a lot to be excited about here. And I am. So, you know, I'll, I'll give credit where credit's due in the, the, the Jeff Sims camp. <sighs> Welcome to the hangover show. Not hungover, but very sleepy. And the, the, the reason because of that is that Colorado State-Colorado game last night. How crazy was that? I don't know. It's crazy because... And and th- there's some recency bias here. So just as a disclaimer... um. The two best football games I've probably seen over the last couple of years are both Colorado in the two of the last three weeks. That TCU game was electric. Those guys were going back and forth all night. And then last night was just such a such a treat. What a game, man. I, I had so much fun watching it. I was rooting for Colorado State, of course. I thought it would have been very funny if they had pulled this off. Um, the whole time I'm thinking, this is exactly what Colorado wanted. This is exactly what the best case scenario was. They want all the eyes on them. They want all the attention. They want all the, you could say they want all the smoke, but the entire world was watching them last night and they almost lost to Colorado state. Colorado state stinks. Let's get that out there. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll definitely get into my, um, better, worse, and, and and the same here shortly. But Colorado State's not very good. They're not. Um, they had 172 yards of penalties. They're not going to beat many teams like that. They had, what, three interceptions and then another couple of fumbles. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, just one, just, just one fumble. One lost fumble. So four turnovers total. I guess three turnovers if you if you don't really consider that fourth down interception on the last play of the game. Let's really dive in on, on Colorado State here for just a second. They they lose to Washington State 50 to 24 at home. It's not a very good team. I believe they won just one game last year. I believe like them in Colorado were in the the dweller for who's the absolute worst team in America. 
But they came out. It was intense. Um, it, some of these rivalries can kind of get one-sided and kind of get big brother, little brother-y. And I've kind of always felt that way with this Rocky Mountain Showdown. But, I mean, you, you wouldn't be able to tell it last night, that's for sure. I mean, Colorado State brought it. They were intense, uh, arguably a little too intense, you know, looking at that um, a play against Travis Hunter. I'll also say Colorado fans are, are a bit dramatic. Well, okay, I let's settle down here. No, no, no. I'll double down. So, some are dramatic. Um, obviously, dirty hit. Can't have that. Don't want that, especially happening to your star player. Like it, it's just you, you gotta feel like it's you can't have that. But also, I had some saw some Colorado fans because there's a lot of Colorado fans on on my timeline. I'm, I'm a big Colorado fan in every aspect outside of college football. Um, I saw this tweet. I will uh, number eleven ain't ready for what's coming for him after the game. That's all I got to say. I uh, also tweeted four minutes later, I will genuinely be disappointed in Boulder if 11 doesn't leave Folsom, you know, harmed, which is insane. But I mean, those people are crazy. So at that point, I'm like, well, and you got to expect something like that. I mean, all the, the, the stuff that they talk in, well, I, I, I guess even in that light, you still expect a fair game. And, you know, that wasn't very cool. So, but very intense starting off. I mean, even some of the other plays afterwards were very chippy. I mean, it kind of settled down as as the game got, it got, got into flow. Colorado State was up 21 to 14 at half, which feels crazy. Um, Colorado got a couple of good touchdowns. The Colorado State got real conservative at the end. And, and I never... I'm not a coach, so I don't know what the conversation is like in those rooms. But it's weird to kind of go like, we've had this thing that's that's worked all night. You know, kind of coming into that, Colorado has 28, 28 points or so, 21 points. And they get the ball on the two-yard line to try to tie things up and send it into overtime. And the first thing that you think is like, well, let's ease up. Let's go conservative. Let's go into this prevent defense. I think if there's anything that, that, that we've learned about Shooter Sanders is that if you give him a clean pocket, he's going to pick you apart all night long. Granted, they didn't let him pick him apart the whole night long, but at the end they did. At the end they gave him a clean pocket, and he marched him right down the field. Also, you know, busted coverage by uh, number 11 who laid the dirty hit on Travis Hunter. If I wasn't um, actively rooting for Colorado State, I, I would think that that's pretty funny. Uh, you know, it is pretty funny. It is what it is. Um, but, man, like, just felt like they had Shader Sanders in kind of a cage the whole night. He wasn't able to, to, to get anything going until you send everybody back, until you let him. You know, have a clean pocket. I don't get it. I guess the theory would be he don't want to give up the big play. He hadn't given up a big play all night. Whatever you were just doing for the last 48 minutes of this football game, that was, you, that was working just fine as far as the big play aspect goes. Yeah, and then I also thought it was weird how Colorado won the toss, chose to go on offense. Thought that was interesting. I don't think I've seen that before. And then they did it twice. I was real confused. They started the ball in the top half of the first overtime. They started with the ball in the top half of the second overtime. I'm sure if it had gone, you know, multiple overtimes, they would have elected to take the ball each time. I'd never seen that before. I guess it makes sense. Like, you don't switch possessions necessarily. You switch choices, which usually results in, you know, going on defense and then starting on defense in the in the second half. You know, I get it. But um, what a game, though. I mean, just kind of taking off my, my Husker slanted glasses. What a 
I mean, electric. Also, 172 penalty yards and still having a chance to win the game is insane to me. And, you know, we'll kind of talk about what that what more that means for Colorado here shortly, but I'll say not very good stuff. We'll pull up our better than, worse than, and same. So these are all like just based on, you know, this team, this player is better than I thought. This team player is worse than I thought. And then this team player is is about the, the same as I thought here. All right. Heisman Harburg, first and foremost. Um, he was good. He was poised. He was confident. He made the routine play. You know, he's not... I think if, if you put him in a situation where he's got to score 50 points, I can't imagine he's the guy. I can't imagine he's... He's the guy who's going to lead you to national championship game. Can't imagine he's the kind of guy that you look at and be like, that's NFL talent. But, man, when you look at this schedule, when you look at teams like Maryland, Illinois, Iowa, you think, this guy is, this guy can compete. This guy can make the routine play. And that's all that this team needs. This defense is legit. The offensive line is, is a work in progress. They have two really good running backs. They have a couple of good wide receivers. And Thomas Fedoni is getting into the groove of being a Big Ten tight end and kind of fitting the the mold to what we've all been kind of waiting for him to do once he got healthy. He's looked fine. He's looked really good. I'm excited for him. You just need somebody to facilitate. You just need somebody to make the routine play. You just need somebody to not ruin the game. You know, I was, I was thinking about the Colorado game. I'm like, well, I feel like for the first two quarters, mostly, it, it kind of got off the rails there late. But Nebraska beat Colorado, but Nebraska also beat Colorado. Or Nebraska also beat Nebraska, and Jeff Sims also beat Nebraska. Like, it's real hard to overcome Shooter Sanders, Travis Hunter, Dylan Edwards, and Jeff Sims. You know, it's a, a, a that's quite the crew working against you in that game. And does Heisman Harburg win the Colorado game? I'm not sure. I could probably sell you on a case that he he might. Does he beat Minnesota? I'm very confident in that. Very confident that he does. Also better than I thought, BYU. Going into Fayetteville is no, no joke. Um, I mean, even... Even kind of looking at it, no Rocket Sanders in that game for, for Arkansas. PYU's offense hasn't looked good all year, and they haven't. <clears throat> now, granted, I, I trashed the SEC defenses here, and I'll continue to do so as if you're looking ahead on the on the sheet there. Um, but going into Fayetteville, Keaton Slovis hasn't shown anything of anything all all season. And that's the, the, the kind of game that they go out there and win. That's not nothing. That's not nothing. That's not nothing. Especially when you have kind of the, the lesser of the quarterbacks. Like I, I like Keaton Slovis. I, I think low ceiling, I think. But he can win you a lot of football games at BYU. But KJ Jefferson, I think, might be the best quarterback in the SEC. Up next, week three. I was kind of looking at the slate, kind of talking trash about it. Not a whole lot of high-profile games, but, man, it got fun. What a fun week at college football, man. I mean, starting it off, you got games like – like Georgia and South Carolina, Alabama struggled against UCF, USF that, that we'll talk about here shortly. There's a lot of games that you wouldn't expect to be very close. Ended up being really good football games to watch. And then going all the way until 2 in the morning, Colorado and Colorado State. 
what a barn burner that game was. So week three was was a huge success, even though I didn't think that there was a whole lot of intriguing matchups. You know, Tennessee and Florida, BYU and Arkansas, the backyard brawl, Pittsburgh and 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 West Virginia. Again, that we'll talk about here in a little bit. TCU and Houston and and their first Big Twelve games. Uh, great week, man. I'm I'm so happy with that. I was. You know, I kind of feel bad for my girlfriend. I was like, ah, well, you know what? This is, you know, this is the week. If we're gonna go cherry picking or, or whatever couples do during during the fall, like this is the week for it. No, 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 no. Maybe, maybe in the spring. Now, here's who I feel are worse than I initially thought. Joe Milton's up first, and I'll kind of start off with this. I, I, I I predicated a lot of I predicated any success on what Tennessee would do on the the premise that Joe Milton could be a, a competent quarterback. Um, and usually when 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 I pick a game that's wrong, it, it's usually a mixture of well, I was wrong about the 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 the, the winner. They're better than I thought, and the loser is worse than I thought. And I, I feel like in this game, they had Florida going four and eight in the season. But I definitely feel like I was more off about Tennessee. Also, I was the only one on quarterback connection to not have Tennessee in my top ten. So keep that in mind. I, uh, I, I, I think that we get it into this groove and certainly like NFL scouting purposes, you, you, you see the cannon and you think, man, that guy can make any throw that he wants, but you can't, you can't just bring out the cannon every play. You got to be able to move the ball down the field. You have to be able to string plays together. Now, granted the, their defense couldn't stop the run. Travis Etienne or Trevor Etienne, excuse me, 172 yards. Just absolute, I mean, poise and just dominance as far as time of possession goes. 37 and a half minutes to 22 and a half minutes. That's a whole quarter of football. I mean, I. I don't know if Tennessee just doesn't have like the, the deep threats to be able to, to stand in a shootout with Florida. I also didn't realize how long it's been since Tennessee beat Florida in Gainesville. 2003. That's, that's a long time. I was six years old. 2003. That's crazy. Crazy stuff, man. I can't believe it. Anywho, I also feel worse about Alabama. I mean, I think that one pretty much speaks for itself. Um, they didn't look good at all against South Florida. And that game, I saw a Benjamin Albright tweet. It feels like this game could be 32 quarters long, and South Florida would not score a touchdown. And I think that's right. I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. I wonder if Joe Milton was hurt, because even... He can't be worse than than what we saw quarterback wise from from Buckner and whoever else they, they threw in. And with talent like Alabama has, because they have talent. So here are my big three takeaways with that Alabama game. One, Nick Saban's never playing a road non conference game again. I uh, never again. It is what it is. He struggled with Texas last year. He's in South Florida for some reason. I I thought it was weird to begin with that they're playing a road game in the non-conference slate. But weird stuff. He's never going on the road again when he doesn't have to. Second of all, assistant coaches matter. And when you think of Alabama's dominance, and I think when you look at Georgia's dominance now, reflecting in, in five to ten years, you see just an all-star cast of, of coaches. And I think that's why this Alabama thing is, is done. Because I think Georgia now is the program moving forward. The program 
you know, obviously you, you Alabama's not going to fall out of the, off the face of the earth when it comes to recruiting. They're always going to have talent. But I think as far as like assistant coaches go, I think George is kind of going to get the knot going forward. Like they're, they're, they're legit. And everything that Alabama had when they were dominating, Georgia now has. And I don't think that there can be too, even if they steal some of that, some of that glitz and glam from, from Georgia, you're still not going to dominate college football. And the way that you did, and the way that George is doing now. So interesting stuff there. Um, so assistant coaches matter, matter a lot. And then you don't need a great quarterback, but you can't have a bad one. Also, see my first ten-minute rant on Nebraska's quarterback situation. Alabama's been very lucky to have Bryce Young. He's he was awesome. He's one of the best college football quarterbacks I've ever seen. But you don't need that. You just need not stinky. You just need competent. You just need somebody to go out there and make the routine play. Colorado. Okay, I, I go back and forth because Colorado was on my better better than I thought section the, the first two weeks. So, so let me kind of break this down here. I think that Colorado is better than I thought going into the season. And I, I think the things that, that, that are better, obviously the high-end talents. I mean, and the talents everywhere. At wide receiver, at quarterback, at wherever Travis Hunter wants to be. The offensive line, the defensive line, the, the defense as a whole is upgraded from, from a year ago. And they're very well prepared, I think. They're very well disciplined in the sense that they go in with a game plan and they're going to make that game plan work, right? Like, it, it obviously worked very well against TCU. Offensively, they got to do kind of whatever they, they wanted to do. And then, But even these last two games against Nebraska and Colorado State where – you look talent for talent, pound for pound. Colorado has better talent than Nebraska, especially on the high end. Uh, depth, I don't know. I don't know. doesn't matter. Um, you look at Colorado State, absolutely better talent up and down that roster. But they struggled. They weren't able to move the ball like they wanted to early on. They, they had to overcome some mistakes. <clears throat> they, you know saw some cracks in the foundation, but they didn't panic. There's no sense of panic ever. And Shadur Sanders feels like that kind of quarterback to where if you give him the ball at the end of the game with a chance to tie or win the game or just with something to accomplish at the end, he's going to, he's going to do it. It doesn't feel like there's that many players that I'd rather put the ball in their hands with at, at the end of the game. It's that simple. But when you now that we have three weeks of this, TCU I think has gotten better each week. That TCU defense, I don't know what happened in week one. That TCU defense actually looks pretty good now. Um, I don't know if they just weren't prepared for it. I don't know if they were caught off guard. I don't know if they were hung over. But they look like a totally different team now, I'd say. So that one is very impressive, still on its own. I don't want to discredit that one because TSU didn't play very good. Colorado went down to Fort Worth with the entire world watching and beat the defending national runner-ups. But then last week, if you watch that first half, even with Jeff Sims and his incompetent turnovers, Nebraska was right there. Colorado didn't look like the head and shoulders better football team that, that they thought they were, that everybody thought they were. Um, and then last night, Colorado State's not very good. I get that it's a rivalry. I get that it's intense. I get that Travis Hunter went down with an injury. They were still 20-point favorites. And also, side note, 
storm in the field was justified. Like, I guess on paper, you don't want to storm the field as a 20-point favorite when you're ranked and the other team's not ranked and the other team's won one football game in this last 13 tries. But you also got to remember, it's a vibes thing. Storm in the field isn't... Uh, like they're, Imagine just... Okay, you got to put yourself in the shoes of a student there, right? It is even more so if you're like a junior or a senior and you watched, you know, you were showing up and paying attention to the worst college football team in America for the last three years. This team stunk. And you're in Folsom Field. It's the Rocky Mountain Showdown. Both the networks are at, have their game day shows there, which I don't know if it's ever been done before. Because it's crazy that Fox was on this list for a while. Um, it's crazy for Fox to send their crew out here instead of promoting, I don't know, the game that they have their broadcast crew at. Instead of promoting, you know, the Big Ten, which they also have a vested interest in. I mean, all day. You have the entire world watching. You have The Rock. You have Offset. You have all these Famous, famous folks here in Boulder watching your college football team have all that excitement coming in. Then you have that barn burner comeback double overtime win against a team that you hate, right? You hate Colorado State. You hate Colorado State more as the game progressed, knocking out Travis Hunter in that dirty hit. And that double overtime, fourth down, all you need is a stop. And they throw a pick and you win the game. That the vibes are high. I'd argue the vibes were higher and the justification for storming the field was higher last night against Colorado State than it was Nebraska the week before. That was a good win. They hate Nebraska. But the vibes? Were they off? I don't know. Who knows? But last night. Saturday night, Sunday morning in Boulder, Colorado. You get a couple of brewskis in you. You get a couple of drunk darts, even though you don't smoke. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Pull out the calculator and calculate, well, how big of a favorite do you have to be before we can't storm the field? Do these calculations meet the criteria in order to storm? No. 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 And also, Colorado, admittedly, the standard for field rushing is lower. They've been down on their luck. The, the, the bar is lower. Like Georgia, I... Were they playing in Athens yesterday? Yeah, so they played in Athens. They were like 30-point favorites. They beat South Carolina 24-14. to They didn't swim the field. Well, yeah, of course not. The bar is different. The vibes are different. Georgia holds on to beat South Carolina, even if it went into overtime and was the same kind of electric game as Colorado, Colorado State. You don't feel excitement. You feel, oh, man, we, we, we avoided that one. The vibe in Colorado was, holy crap, we won. We did it. We held on. We came back. We could have folded every opportunity, and we didn't. And that's the difference. So, yeah, I think the vibes are absolutely justified for first storm, for storm in the field. And I'm also generally pretty okay with storm in the field. These are also college kids doing it. All right. They're excited. They're, they're here for, for a good time. So, I don't know. I think uh, Nebraska next week, as you know, 15 point favorites, if they win in double overtime, they're not storming the field against their group of five opponent. Maybe they should. I don't know. I don't know. It's all about vibes. So I think that they're very justified. But overall, I think Colorado is worse than I thought going into the game. Still probably net better than I thought from where they were going into the season. I also still think there's a not zero chance that they don't make a bowl game here. 
So if we look at their schedule, they're definitely losing to USC and Oregon. I have had such a bad gauge and such a bad read on this Colorado football team. I don't know what to expect. But I feel very good that they're not going to beat Oregon and they're not going to beat USC. Especially next week in Eugene. Get out of here. I think that they very much will, without much resistance, beat Arizona State and Stanford. So even before October is up, you got five wins. right? You got the three that you picked up against TCU, Nebraska, and Colorado State. Great. You pick up another two against Arizona State and Stanford. Great. Then you just need one more game. But you go to UCLA. UCLA is looking like a real good football team. You have Oregon State. They're looking like a real good football team. Arizona, Washington State, Utah. I think they definitely lose to Utah. Assuming that Cam Rising's back, I think that matters. At Salt Lake City, you're not winning that game. I'm sorry. I don't think that you're beating UCLA on the road. I don't think that you're beating Oregon State. So now you look at Arizona and Washington State. You need to win one of those two games. I think Arizona is the the, the one that you have circled on your calendar as far as if you want to to, to make a bowl game. Lost the last four straights. Lost last year, 43-20. This Arizona team is not very good this year. So that is what it is. Wait a minute, you haven't lost four straight. Oh, the longest losing streak was from 2012 to 2015. Because, yeah, they won in 2021 and 2020. So, yeah, I think that you probably do beat Arizona. So that's six. Uh, I I think Washington State and UCLA are toss-ups. Probably give the benefit of the doubt to the home teams there in both UCLA and Washington State. So six and six. Would probably feel pretty disappointing if you're a Colorado fan at, at, at this juncture, but it's also not get over get over uh, overdo it there. So I don't know. I think Colorado's not one of the 25 best teams in the country. I think that's I, I feel pretty sure about that. Now, granted, as where we are right now, they're three and zero with two wins over Power Five teams. There's not 25 other teams who have done that. So. They get the nod. They'll stay ranked. Um, I think they lose the next two and then probably drop out of the rankings there. They'll probably get some type of Colorado coach prime boost up to like 15 or so this week. And then next week they'll, they'll drop back down to like 20 after I think I think Oregon's going to handle this pr- pretty handily. Because you also got to remember, and I think what we saw last night from Colorado State, they're going to get every team's best shot. Every team that they play this year, they know that the world's going to be watching. Maybe not the world. Like that Washington State Colorado game is probably not going to be a Fox Noon or College Game Day game. But you know that Colorado's going to come in. They're going to be loud. They're going to be confident. They're going to be in your face. That's going to draw the best out of every single team they play this year. And I think that we saw that from Colorado State. I don't think Colorado State's nearly as good of a football team. But you saw them really want this game. And I think you're going to see that from Oregon and USC. You know, if I'm one of those two teams, I'm like, we're actually one of the best teams in the country. We're actually really good. We actually have all these great players. And Colorado's gotten all this media attention. We're going to show that, hey, like, we're eight. We're the actual good football team here. So I I think that is going to be interesting to watch here over the next couple of weeks. Um, I'll just kind of run through these real quick. Um, TCU, yeah, they're fine. They're in good shape. They're a good football team. That defense is much better than that Colorado game would indicate. Um, Chandler Morris is looking way more comfortable and starting to make some bigger plays. TCU is going to be good. 
Um, are they good enough to make the college football playoff game again? Absolutely not. Are they good enough to win the Big 12? Also, probably not. But they'll be in the thick of it in, in November as far as the, the Big 12 race goes. Um, they'll be in a lot of close games again, so it's just going to come down to if they can pull that out um, like, like they did last year. Trends would indicate no, but, you know, those games. trends would also indicate that Nebraska would stop losing these one-score games um, like they do. So um, trends don't mean everything. Mississippi State. So I put out my rankings, or not my rankings, my, my predictions for every team in the Power Five, game by game. Mississippi State got a bad draw. Even after I posted, I'm like, this is wrong. This isn't right. I had them... Been going four and eight and zero oh and eight in in SEC play. Still pick up four wins because that fraudulent SEC schedule. Um, but you know, and and my justification for it was I I don't think that Mississippi State's going to lose all of their football games. I don't think that's on the table for them. But there's not any game on their schedule where they are head and shoulders better than any SEC school here. And kind of looking at their schedule here, I'll pull it up just to make sure that. Let's see here. And Mississippi State fans also let me hear. So, and probably rightly so. Okay. Holy shit, I didn't even realize it was this bad. First of all, look at this this clean ratio I got. I mean, this one's pretty bad. Seven. Oh, man. I didn't even realize it was that bad as far as bookmarks goes. Ooh-wee. Let me pull this up here. So, first of all, let's check out the the, the ratio 17 comments seven reposts zero favorites 17 bookmarks outstanding stuff but I, well so far i'm dead on right three for three they beat southern la they beat arizona they didn't look good against arizona by the way and they, they lose pretty handedly to lsu now i think lsu is really good but let's keep lo- looking at the schedule here south carolina they went toe-to-toe with, with Georgia for, for two and a half quarters. Spencer Rattler, good luck stopping him. Could Mississippi State win that game? Maybe. But do I think that it's that their head and shoulders the better team? Absolutely not. Alabama, even with their struggles, they're still Alabama. Um, Western Michigan, they went out of Arkansas. Arkansas is not looking that great. Could they win that game? Absolutely. Will they... Are they head and shoulders the better football team there? I don't think so. At Auburn. I don't think Auburn's that good either. Going to to Auburn on the road, that's a tough game. Do I think they could win? Absolutely. Do I think that they're head and shoulders better than everybody? No. Versus Kentucky. I I don't know. You see, and here's a and here's the bottom line here. I could miss on three or four of these. Absolutely. Kentucky absolutely being one that, yeah. And I just didn't give them the benefit of the doubt in any of these games. But do I think that their head and shoulders better than Kentucky? I don't think so. Do I think that their head and shoulders better than Texas A&M? No. I have them beating Southern Mississippi. Ole Miss, do I think that they could beat Mississippi? Yes. Do I think that their head and shoulders better? And I can definitively say that I definitely think Mississippi State is going to beat Mississippi. No. So, I mean, we got a, got a lot to say. If they, you know, do end up posting, you know, seven or eight wins, the 17 bookmarks are, are going to come in and, and haunt me. That's pretty tough. But let's get back to, to that. So, so could I be very wrong about Mississippi State? Yeah, but I don't think it's because they're a bad team. I've actually learned a lot throughout this process about Mississippi State. Their experience, they have a lot of, you know, junior, senior leadership. 
I, I didn't give them the benefit of the doubt with the, the, the new coaching staff implementing a new system, drastically different from, from Coach Leach's. So, yeah, I didn't give them the benefit of the doubt there, but I don't think they're head and shoulders better than any of those teams. Again, could they beat Kentucky? Could they beat Arkansas? Could they beat Auburn? Could they beat Ole Miss? Yeah. Are they head and sh- are they going to beat any of those teams by 10-plus points? Probably not. And then, of course, the SEC is not very good. I think this one's pretty self-explanatory. E- even the, the top end, Georgia struggled against a good quarterback in Spencer Rattler. At the beginning of the game, he was doing everything that he wanted to do. I mean, you couldn't stop him for, for anything. So I thought I thought he was going to go bonkers. Of course, then Georgia settled in. Um, Harrison, no, I don't think it's Harrison. No, it's not Harrison Beck. What's that guy's name? Oh, man. Got so many tabs open right now. Not Harrison Beck. What's that name? Something Beck. It's definitely Beck. Carson Beck. All right. Another, you know, generic suburban white white boy name. Um, it's C Stinks. Um, and they, they still might be the best conference in America. Like, let's not, I'm not gonna over overkill it there, but the gap's closed. Pac 12 looks awesome. The Big Ten, Michigan and Ohio State are the real deal. Penn State's the real deal. They might go three deep now. Big Ten West is still atrocious, so that's a tough argument to make. Um, and the Big 12 also doesn't have a whole lot of really bad teams. So that is what it is. Um, honorable mentions, Kansas stunk against Nevada last night. I was too dialed in on Colorado, Colorado State to really care. But overall, that'll do it. Um, we got some exciting stuff on the Corner Street Connection Network. Um, this week, we got, you know, obviously, go Big 12, go Big Home. No, oh, boy, I'm losing my mind here. Go Big 12 or go home. Um, that'll be coming out Tuesday. And then Corner Street Connection to uh, Wednesday, and then, you know, they'll, they'll alternate throughout the week. Exciting stuff. Hopefully, we, we, I, I have a, a good hunch that we're going to have a pretty good guest this week for Corner Street Connection. Nebraska with another winnable game. Hopefully, we see more Heisman Harburg. Um, but that'll do it for me today. Um, of course, follow along on Twitter. We do these live videos um, every Sunday, so you get first access and uh, to how I felt Colorado or college football went. Usually, I'm very tired, yawn a lot, have an energy drink. I'm going to go take a nap, um, but it gets you out before gets the information out before Monday when this is going to be posted on, on YouTube and Spotify. So like subscribe, all, all, all that fun stuff. Go big red.